Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap a long weekend of Orioles baseball that spilled into Monday with a five-game series in Boston for the Orioles. But Guess what? It was a, a pretty enjoyable five-game series for the Orioles as they take three out of five from Boston, win the series. It's been a pretty good showing over the last couple of weeks for the Orioles. But I'll give you my three big takeaways from this five-game series between the O's and the Sox, starting with Friday night's win, which was a miraculous comeback victory, and I make the case for why it's Pretty much the coolest one of the year so far for the Orioles. Then we talk about a couple of guys who had cool moments on the mound this weekend. Denny Reyes with his first career start against his old team. And Cody Sedlock finally making his Major League debut for the Orioles. Then finally, speaking of pitching, we'll talk about Tyler Wells, who had his best start as an Oriole on Monday night to clinch a series victory. We'll talk about why the O's needed that from a starter, what has made him so good this year, and where the O's go next in this Tyler Wells becoming a starter experiment. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So what a good weekend it was for the Orioles. And to be honest with you, in a weekend in which the Orioles lost a game 12-2, to you wouldn't think I'd be saying that, but that became just one of their two losses in a five-game series to the Red Sox. And I'll break it all down in just a second coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we get into it, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Of course, we're free and available on all your listening platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. On any of those platforms, wherever you're listening now, if you could just stop and give us a five-star rating and a review on that app, it really helps us out. And of course, we're right here on YouTube as well, five days a week with new episodes here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Now, I did say five days a week. I know we were off on Monday. Uh, I am back. Had a fantastic time at the wedding on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was kind of nice, completely focused on the wedding. Not at all focused on the Orioles losing 12-2 to on Sunday, a game we won't talk about much here on this episode. But uh, glad to be back here after Memorial Day and bringing you all this Orioles content. But again, thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, Orioles beat the Red Sox. As the O's take three out of five, a five-game wraparound series that included a Saturday built-in doubleheader and a Monday game on Memorial Day to finish it off. And the Orioles, with these victories end up 21-29 and 29 through now 50 games on the season. 50 games in, 21 wins. They've been close in a lot of others. I think most people, including myself, would say 21 wins at this point, a success for the Orioles with obviously how bad they were last year and how kind of ugly the roster looked at times coming into this year. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this series, where the O's started off on Friday with a 12-8 win over the Red Sox. Then they split the doubleheader 
on Saturday. Lost the opener 5-3, but then won the second game 4-2. Then they did come back and lose 12-2 on Sunday, but finished it off with a clean, crisp 10-0 win on Monday night to finish off the series win. And my first big takeaway is that Friday's victory over the Red Sox was, frankly, the coolest, the most fun, the most exciting victory of the year for the Orioles. O's won that one 12-8, as I mentioned, to kick off the series. And just what a game it was. It started off just horrendously for the Orioles. You know, it was their one game so far in the first half schedule on the Apple TV Plus Friday night broadcast that the Major League Baseball has introduced this year. And it did not go well to start. It goes 0-0 bottom of the first. Kyle Bradish comes out there and immediately just gets smoked. Bradish gives up four runs in his first inning of work. You're thinking, all right, this game's over. Let's move on, try and win some games from the doubleheader. And then it gets worse. He loads the bases, gives up two more runs in the second, and Bradish can't even get out of the second inning. Allows six runs over an inning and two-thirds. Has to be relieved by Bo Sulser, making finally his Orioles debut. And first of all, I got to kind of shout out Bo Sulser here. I mean, he did give up two runs on seven hits, but he gave the Orioles three innings of relief work. Now, he was immediately optioned back down to AAA after the game, but the O's needed length to be able to make the comeback that they did. And Salser truly gave them that length. And then all of a sudden, the O's just started to chip away bit by bit. They got a two-run homer from Anthony Santander in the fourth. that made it a 6-2 to two game. And then the Red Sox got a couple of runs off Salser in the fourth and the fifth. And, you know, it was 8-2 to two heading to the seventh. You're thinking, all right, the, the comeback's not happening. You're down 8-2 to two in the seventh inning. That's got to be it. But... Garrett Whitlock, the Red Sox starter, left the game after six strong innings. In came the Boston bullpen in the seventh, and this game just flipped on its head. And just the tenacity, the never-give-up attitude of this Orioles offense has, has frankly been amazing to watch all season. They've had many comeback wins, nothing like this, being down 8-2 in the seventh and coming back to win, scoring 10 unanswered runs. But it was still a whole lot of fun, and it's been a whole lot of fun for most of the year to watch this team work in a lot of these comeback victories, these late-inning victories, a lot of extra-inning victories, it's just been so enjoyable to watch this team work. So first, you know, they start off in the seventh, just, you know, they get a little rally going, and then, you know, something breaks their way. Jorge Mateo, who had been an awful, awful slump at the plate, runs into one against Jake Diekman, hits a three-run homer out the left field. All of a sudden, they cut the lead in half. It's a 7-5 game, heading to the bottom of the seventh, and... Got to give a big shout-out to Marcos Duplan, who did a great job out of the bullpen. Threw two scoreless innings for the Orioles to keep this thing, you know, at least within striking distance. So they go to the eighth. It's an 8-5 to five game. All of a sudden, Austin Hayes gets into one for a two-run homer off of John Schreiber. It's an 8-7 game. The Orioles continue to rally. Matt Strom comes into the game, and all of a sudden, the O's have tied the game at eight, and it continues with Duplan. And then guys like Logan Gillespie and Dylan Tate and CNL Perez all get some outs in the seventh and eighth innings to keep it close. Here comes the Oriole offense once again. They get a couple runners on to start the ninth. They start to rally a four-run top of the ninth inning. Jorge Lopez comes in, closes it out in the bottom of the ninth. And the Orioles win at 12-8. And after giving up eight runs in the first five innings, they hold Boston scoreless for the last four. Again, going a 10-0 run to finish the game. And you just had everybody contributing 
in this game. It was great. I mean, you had three hit games from Rugnet Odor and Ramon Arias at the bottom of the order, seven and eight. You had the three-run homer from Mateo in the nine-hole. Hayes, Santander, Mullins all had two hit games. The offense just never quit, and they just bombarded this Red Sox bullpen. And they used four relievers, Diekman, Schreiber, Strom, and Salamora. Each of them gave up at least one run. None of them got more than three outs in the game. And the O scored 10 runs in three innings. It was awesome. And to just watch that team work, to see it on national TV, and it was great to have Melanie Newman you know, calling that game on play-by-play as she does for every uh, East Coast Friday night Apple TV game. But to have her in there, obviously an Orioles expert, one of our broadcasters, and to have that little that little chip, that little you know extra step of knowledge on the O's to tell people like, yeah, they are down eight to two in the seventh, but this game's not over. And especially when Mateo hits the homer to make it eight five, you can tell Melanie was trying to get across the board too. Like the Orioles are certainly not out of this game from what they've shown. And you know, I thought Cliff Floyd and Hannah Kaiser, you know, it was really fun to see them just just watch and comment on the Orioles in front of their eyes that. You know, this team is not the team we've seen over the last few years in this rebuild. They are a little different here in 2022, and they sure, certainly showed it in front of a national audience on Friday night. Just what a fun, fun win. And I think the best part, really, you know, besides it being in Boston and it being hilarious and the Celtics losing on the same night, is that, you know, the O's got that one run in the night. They go up 9-8. to eight, You're thinking, all right, they've got the lead. It's Jorge Lopez time. But they weren't even done. Instead of, you know, saying we've got the lead, you know, that's it for the offense. Let's go to the bottom of the ninth. They tack on three more runs. And instead of being, you know, oh, Jorge Lopez got to face the top of the order here and things could get tough. No, 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 no. They put up four. They give him a four-run cushion. And it becomes much easier for Jorge to come in. He gets a one, two, three inning and ends the game. Man, that was just such a fun win to start off the weekend. But There were also some other fun moments in uh, the games later in the weekend, even one of them in one of the games that the Orioles lost on Sunday. A couple of pitchers, a couple of young righties had some really cool moments in their careers for the Orioles in Boston over the weekend. And we'll talk about those moments for those two guys coming up in just a second. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Now, BetOnline.net, you know, it's a place where, yeah, you can go and and check the lines and check the odds on anything, but you can also pull up the website just to check the score. You can get the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the basketball playoffs, the MLB scores, MMA fights, NHL playoffs, even next season's NFL futures. Get it all at BetOnline.net. And you've got live betting, there's the playoffs, even esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. And again, the one-stop shop for all your sports betting needs. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Orioles take three out of five from the Red Sox over the weekend. And of course, that Friday win was so much fun. But it got followed up by a little bit of a disappointing loss in the first game of Saturday's doubleheader. Orioles scored early in that one. Couldn't hold the lead. Keegan Aiken actually gave up multiple runs for the first time this year out of the bullpen. The O's lost 5-3. But they turned it right around and got a 4-2 win in the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday to take a 2-1 series lead. And it wasn't all Denny Reyes why the Orioles won that second game. But 
He got the start, and it was a really, really cool moment for Reyes, the right-hander who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal this offseason. Now, Reyes had come up a couple of weeks ago in that series in St. Louis. It actually pitched two scoreless innings out of the bullpen for the Orioles and then was sent back down to AAA. But the O's, we talked about it all week, needed a starter for Saturday. Who was going to be that game two of the doubleheader starter? Because the O's had five games in four days, and they had just lost Spencer Watkins to the injured list and needed a starting pitcher. And once we figured out it wasn't going to be Grayson Rodriguez, it was pretty much down to Reyes and Cody Sedlock. And the Orioles ended up going with Denny Reyes. They had Cody Sedlock in the bullpen that day, didn't end up using him. We'll get to him in just a second. But Reyes gets the start as the 27th man for the doubleheader. Now, he was optioned back down to AAA after the game because he was that 27th man you can use for a doubleheader. But he comes out there, and it's not just you know his first Major League start, and it's not just that it's his second Major League appearance for the right-hander. It's against the organization that gave up on Denny Reyes. He was signed by the Red Sox and started in their system as a right-handed pitcher in 2015, and he pitched all the way through last year, 2015 to 2021, in the Red Sox system and got up to double A, but then, you know, was let go after this year. You know, his initial minor league contract ran out and the Red Sox chose to not re-sign him to another minor league deal. And the Orioles scooped him up and the O's got him. He went to double A, went to triple A, and all of a sudden he's in the big leagues with Baltimore making his first career start in Fenway Park, where I'm sure he always thought he would make his first career start was in Fenway Park, but he thought he'd be wearing a Red Sox uniform. Instead, He's in orange, taking on the team that basically gave up on him. And you know what? While he was not dominant by any stretch of the imagination, he did what he needed to do for the Orioles to get a victory in that second game. He goes three and two-thirds innings, allowing just one run on four hits, had only one strikeout, one walk. There was seven hard-hit balls. He only had five whiffs. But at the end of the day, he got guys out, got just about through four innings, three and two-thirds, and with a bullpen that, despite it being the second game of a doubleheader, was not, you know, crazy tired, he handed it over to a bullpen that was able to get enough outs down the stretch to get the Orioles that 4-2 to victory. And, you know, they got the key hits uh, to go ahead in that game and, and lock down the lead. But at the end of the day, just what a cool moment for Reyes. Now, in terms of what he can bring to the Orioles, you know, again, as I mentioned, he was optioned to AAA. We saw fastball about 93, 94 miles an hour. The command was okay. It wasn't a big swing and miss pitch at all. It was more of a, a strike throw pitch. That ball got put in play a good amount, fouled off a lot. Really, his pitch is the slider. It's about an 80-mile-per-hour slider, really good velocity difference between the slider and the fastball. Three of his five whiffs came on that pitch. That was the one pitch he got his, his one strikeout on on the day. That seems to be the pitch that's, if he can get back to the big leagues, that's going to be the one. Now, we saw a little bit of a changeup and a little bit of a curveball. Didn't get a great feel for those pitches, just didn't throw him a lot because he was mostly fastball slider. But I think he's got promise. I think he's definitely a really, really good depth piece for the Orioles to have. I think it was a good, you know, minor league signing, low risk, high reward like those usually are in the offseason by the O's. And at the end of the day, if he's making a start in Boston in a game that you win when you needed a starter, I feel like that minor league signing is already a win for the O's. And so just really cool for Denny Reyes to get that first start, to have it come against his old team. And listen, he didn't go 6-7 scoreless and strike out 8 or 9 guys. Yeah, he went 3-2 and two thirds with one strikeout. But he did enough to help the Orioles win that game. And uh, major props to Denny Reyes. But of course, there was another guy who made his first 
career appearance, not start. But the other guy who was in line to maybe make that start was Cody Sedlock, who was also activated before the Saturday doubleheader. Now, the Orioles put him in the bullpen for game one, didn't end up needing him, and then also didn't need him in game two because, you know, the game was just too close. They may have needed him because Reyes only went three and two thirds, but the game was so close the whole time. Brandon Hyde obviously didn't want to go to Cody Sedlock for his major league debut in that kind of spot. So Sedlock, you know, sits Saturday. He stays on the team because Reyes goes down as the 27th man. And then Sedlock gets his chance on Sunday. Now, the game was kind of out of reach. It was already 6-1 to one Red Sox because Zimmerman didn't pitch well when Sedlock entered. But what a moment for Cody Sedlock, who finally makes his major league debut on Sunday. And listen, the final line didn't look great. Allowed five runs on six hits over three innings of relief. Struck out three and walked one through 71 pitches. Eight hard hit balls against Sedlock. But three of those five runs scored after he left the game. He did leave the bases loaded in the eighth. And Marcos Duplan let all of those runs score. That's how the Red Sox ended up getting 12 runs in that game. But I really liked what I saw from the Sedlock stuff. Now, you know, we know the story. First round pick by the Orioles in 2016, 27th overall out of Illinois, when he was one of the best pitchers in college baseball that year in the Big Ten. Just absolutely dominant. He was the number two ranked Orioles prospect on MLB.com before the 2017 season. And then the injuries hit, and they hit hard. He had some elbow issues, some forearm issues in 2017. He still made 20 starts in high A, but he had an ERA just shy of six, and you could tell all year the injuries were hurting him. Comes back in 2018, throws 37 innings between you know high A and, and a little bit of double A, but he had thoracic outlet syndrome, which is that really scary kind of like shoulder injury for pitchers where you know it's not Tommy John, it's not this big, long layoff and surgery, but it's almost an issue where some guys get the surgery, some guys don't, and some guys just never come back the same. And we're really at a point in baseball where thoracic outlet syndrome is not as common as Tommy John, but also it's not as kind of lethal, or I should say it's more lethal to many guys' careers than Tommy John is. A lot of guys come back stronger from Tommy John. Thoracic outlet syndrome really hits guys' velocities hard, and some guys are never the same after that. And it certainly hurts Sedlock. You know, he goes into 2019 seemingly healthy, but he's kind of pitching out of the bullpen some and buoy, figuring out what he can do. He gets to, to AAA last year and, and pitches a little better. And then finally this year in AAA, listen, the stats weren't amazing, but enough to finally get him the shot. This year for Sedlock in AAA, it was eight appearances, four starts for the Tides. Had a 5.83 ERA in 29 in the third innings, but 35 strikeouts in 29 innings, a good number, just 12 walks. And so in that sense, he had at least earned that call up. And, and what a moment it was. You know, so many injuries for a former first-round pick. He finally gets to the bigs. And listen, again, five earned runs in three innings is not great. But what I want to talk about is he had 12 whiffs on 71 pitches. That's more than a lot of Orioles starters have done this year in full starts. Sedlak had 12 whiffs in only three innings. And here's the big thing. You know, we saw the fastball come in. It was sitting 91-92. He does not have the same velocity he used to have before the injuries. But the secondary stuff still looks solid. And I want to talk about that changeup specifically. Because nine of his 12 whiffs came on the changeup. He threw 28 changeups to 31 fastballs, then just 11 sliders and one curveball on the day. 
But of the 28 changeups, 18 of them were swings. Nine of those 18 swings were whiffs. Nine whiffs on a pitch like a changeup is elite for Cody Sedlock. That changeup was elite in his three innings. Something to watch for. Listen, as of recording here on Monday evening, either the O's will probably have to make a roster move on Tuesday because they haven't named a starter yet. Their starter may come from AAA, and that may be at the expense of Cody Sedlock going back down. But as of right now, you know, he was still with the team for Monday's game. And, you know, he'll probably go back down to AAA this week, but I'd like to see him again with that changeup and just shout out to Cody Sedlock. Just what a moment for him after so much injuries, just so much that he's gone through. So many guys were so happy for Cody, and he finally does get to the big leagues. But speaking of pitching, you know, in general, the Oriole pitching, especially from the starters, was certainly not good enough to win a series in Boston this weekend. And yet, somehow they did. One of the reasons was the offense was on fire. One of the reasons was the bullpen continued to do what the bullpen has done all year. But the reason Monday night that the Orioles came away with the series win is that Tyler Wells was kind of the one and only starter this weekend who put up really, really great numbers and put together a fantastic start. We'll talk about Wells and what he means to the O's coming up in just a second. So Tyler Wells was really the one starter this weekend as the O's took three of five from Boston that honestly showed up, it felt like, and really had a great start. And, you know, if you want to know about all the starters across the league, how all of the teams across baseball are doing, well, then I've got another show for you to check out. Now, we thank you, of course, for making Locked On Orioles your first listen, but for your next listen... Check out the Locked On Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So Tyler Wells, best start as an Oriole in Monday night's win as the O's beat the Red Sox 10-0 to get that three out of five, kind of a weird five-game series, but they get three out of five with the series win. And yeah, the offense was awesome on Monday night to get the 10 runs. You know, Ryan Malkas had a four-hit game. Trey Mancini had a three-hit game. We saw Santander go yard, and Ramon Arias have another big day and, and go yard, and Adley Rutschman had two hits. But the star of the show was still Tyler Wells. Best start as an Oriole. Easy to say that. Six innings, scoreless. Just two hits allowed. Three strikeouts, just one walk. Seven hard-hit balls. The six innings tied his career high. He also threw six innings back against Kansas City on May 9th, and his 88 pitches also a career high as the Euros continue to build Tyler Wells up bit by bit. And with just the one walk, that makes just seven walks for Tyler Wells this season through 10 starts. Seven walks, just seven walks through his first 10 career starts is an Orioles record. The previous record was nine walks and 10 starts. Seven walks. That's impressive. I mean, he is throwing strikes. His first 13 pitches of Monday night's game were strikes to Red Sox hitters before he threw his first ball of the day on an 0-2 slider that barely missed the outside corner. Pounding the zone, fastball velocity was up by about a half mile per hour. Curveball velocity was down, which was interesting. It was sitting around 75-76. That pitch usually sits around 79. 
it was breaking more. The curveball had more vertical break. He threw the curveball a little bit more than he usually does in Monday night's game. And everything just kind of came together for Tyler Wells in this one. He gets 11 whiffs, six on the slider, four on the fastball, and one on the changeup, which he used sparingly, only threw nine changeups, but he kind of used them. It seemed like every time he threw a changeup, it was in a big spot, and it got exactly what he wanted. It was a really interesting night for Wells, but all his pitches were working. Again, Velo up on the fastball, up on the slider. He threw a 90.1-mile-per-hour slider. He threw another 90-mile-per-hour slider. That thing was humming. And then that big looping curveball just looked a little different than I'd ever seen that curveball from Wells. Again, it was it was 3 miles per hour slower than he usually throws it. Had more vertical break on that pitch. Just really impressed by Wells. And frankly, you know, Brandon Hyde has talked about this year that, you know, don't expect Tyler Wells to, to you know, even pitch five innings that much, let alone six innings. But he's now gone five innings a whole bunch of times, and he's now gone six innings twice and he's thrown 88 pitches only to do it. Like, he hasn't even crossed the 90-pitch threshold to get, you know, through six innings or more. This experiment, you know, going back to it, and it's not a huge experiment because Tyler Wells came up in the minors as a starter. When he was in the twin system, he was a starting pitcher before he got Tommy John and missed the two seasons, and then the Orioles take him in the Rule 5 draft last year. They ended up putting him in the bullpen. He was a long man early. It didn't work out, so he becomes a back-end guy, and it works. But... All he had known was being a starter. So it's not a huge experiment like he's never been a starting pitcher. He was before he got the Tommy John. So the Orioles say this year, we're, we're starting him. And his first start, you know, four runs in an inning and two-thirds in Tampa, eh, not a great start. But how about this? He walked four batters in his first two starts of the year. He's walked only three total batters in his past seven starts since then. The dude's throwing strikes. He's getting quick innings. You know, he's given up a home run here and there and maybe a big hit that, that he's been upset with. But this was the culmination. And and Wells can get better. That's the other thing. Like, it's been great to see him be very pitch efficient. You know, 88 pitches in six innings, scoreless. That's, that's a great number right there. And, you know, that comes with only three strikeouts, only one walk. That keeps the pitch count down. But Wells still has strikeout stuff. You know, that fastball plays up in the zone. That slider is a swing and Mitch pitch. And that curveball's getting better. He can rack up more strikeouts. And we've seen him have five, six Ks at times this year. But other starts, you know, two or three to be more efficient. There's another side of Tyler Wells to be unlocked where, yeah, he's going six scoreless. But he's also striking out seven or eight batters instead of just three. And still walking, you know, only one in those six innings. So he can get much better than this. And I think he will. But it's safe to say that it's it's going well, this Tyler Wells starter experience. And... I talked about how much the O's needed it this weekend because they did not get good starts. We mentioned Daniel Reyes. Reyes was the second best start of the weekend for the O's, going three and two-thirds and allowing just one run. That's not what you want. We mentioned Bradish, six runs over an inning and two-thirds Friday. His worst start in the bigs, not great. Jordan Lyles had his shortest start as an Oriole in the first game Saturday. He allowed nine runs over four and a third innings. Now, he luckily got out because of the help of Keegan Aiken, only allowing three earned runs, three Ks, and a walk. But he didn't have his best stuff at all. He was getting hit hard, nine hard-hit balls for him. And then Bruce Zimmerman just got demolished on Sunday. Actually, funny enough, we were you know waiting for the wedding to start uh, that I was in on Sunday, and we were back in, in kind of the room with the groom and the other groomsmen. And you know, actually, the, the groom and one of the other groomsmen were high school teammates with Bruce Zimmerman at Loyola. And so, you know, we had the game on to watch him pitch, and we only got to catch 
the first couple of innings, and uh, you know those, those first couple of innings were not too great for Bruce, who was giving up homers. But it was just funny to to be there watching Bruce pitch, who they had played with for a couple of years. But I mean, Zimmerman got hammered on Sunday. Goes four innings, allows six runs on eight hits, two Ks and a walk. But he gives up five home runs, which tied the Oriole record for any one pitcher in a single game. Five home runs allowed. Just got smashed. You know, he wasn't really th- walking guys. Just one walk, the usual Bruce. But a lot of fastballs and changeups down the heart of the plate. And they were getting killed by the Red Sox hitters on Sunday. And so what the Orioles needed is just somebody to lock it down from a starting pitching role. And who else but Tyler Wells to go in and do it? You know, just his second scoreless start of the season. The other one was four scoreless innings against the Yankees back on April 16th. But he was just so, so good on Monday night. So confident. I mean, shaking off Adley Rutschman multiple times and it working, going to all four of his pitches. I am really liking what I'm seeing out of Tyler Wells. And listen, again, offense played a huge part Monday night. Ten runs, even if Tyler Wells wasn't good, you can still win a game with ten runs. Mancini, three hits. Mountcastle, four hits. Adley, two hits. Mateo, two hits. Uh, you had Mountcastle go yard. You had Santander go yard with a three-run homer. Arias goes yard. I mean, the Orioles just bludgeoned Rich Hill, who allowed six runs on seven hits over four innings. We're just killing the ball off Hill from the moment this game started. I mean, the Orioles as a team in this one had 18 hard-hit balls, and Mountcastle had four of them. I mean, they smashed the baseball. But they still shut out the Red Sox, and a lot of that was Tyler Wells. This is going to be fun, getting to watch him pitch every fifth day. But the Orioles get three out of five from the Red Sox, and you know, you look at what the O's just did. They played three of the four very tough AL East foes back-to-back-to-back. Three with the Rays, three with the Yankees, and three with the Red Sox. And the Orioles went 6-5 and in that 11-game stretch against three teams that all made the playoffs last year out of the AL East. And I think these other AL East teams are realizing this year, the Orioles aren't just going to roll over for them anymore. A 6-5 and stretch against this division, that's really impressive from this team. And they're going to be a team that's going to, you know, this is not a playoff year for the Orioles. They're still 21 and 29, but they're going to certainly play spoiler for a lot of these AL East teams as we move forward here in 2022. But as the Orioles move forward, they're back at home this week. Finally, after that long 11 game road trip back at home to take on the Seattle Mariners for a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday series. First game tonight to close out what's been a a very impressive month of May for the Orioles. It'll be George Kirby taking the hill for Seattle, the young right-hander who just got called up a couple of weeks ago. He's made four starts. He has a 4-5 ERA, 20 strikeouts in 20 innings for the 24-year-old lefty, or righty, I should say. His last start, though, really interesting. Five innings against Oakland, four runs on eight hits, not great. Nine Ks and no walks, pretty great. So we'll see if the O's can get to Kirby. Orioles have not named a starter for Tuesday's game as of this recording. I'm chatting with you just shy of 11 p.m. Eastern time on Monday night. Brandon Hyde said before Monday's game that it's going to be a spot starter, whether it'll be a bullpen game from the current team or they'll call someone up from AAA remains to be seen. The most likely call-up would be probably Zach Lowther to make his 2022 Major League debut, but uh, we will see. It won't be Grayson Rodriguez. It won't be Dean Kramer. It won't be D.L. Hall. None of them are on rest or, you know, for some of them, not ready to go quite yet in the big leagues. But 
I'll be back with you here on the podcast coming up tomorrow as we will recap all things from game one between the Orioles and the Mariners and continue to look at everything going on in Birdland. But that's all coming up tomorrow on the Locked On Orioles podcast. Until then, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.